When I started thinking about tonight and uh, about what tonight's topic was going to be and what I was going to teach on, I uh, said I'm going to do what probably most people do when they hear a religion or just, excuse me, just anything you want to know about anything. Where do you go? Google. So I went to Google and I typed in Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses. And just because I just wanted to see what would happen. And of course, most of the stuff that came up uh, was jw.org. And it just had different articles, different links to their sites. Of course, you had other places to go to as well. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not recommending to you tonight to go to Google to find your information. When you have questions about your faith, don't just Google it because you will get, I mean, what does it usually say at the bottom of a Google search? You know, thousands, millions of, of hits where you can just start going through and saying, okay, which one do I choose? Don't, don't necessarily do that. That's why we provide resources here at Ticker Grove. That's why we have our bookstores, our resource center that you can go to and say, hey, give me, I'm trying to find some information about this. Every book we have in there, we would say this is good resources. And then if you're like, hey, what's an app or what's a, a website that you would recommend? We can tell you that too. I mean, there's different sites we would say this is a good site to go to to get your information because there are gazillions of uh, places you can go on Google. But as I went there and it popped up, I said, okay, I'm going to go visit jw.org. So I went there and uh, what I found was interesting. The first thing that came up, it said this, it was a banner, you know, like a web banner. And it said, fight loneliness with friendship. How can the Bible help? Okay, interesting. And then I started looking some more and just some articles that were posted on the website. Like one of them said, the title was, We Rebuilt Our Marriage with God's Help. Okay. Um, one of them said, Bible Truth Satisfied My Thirst for Answers. Interesting. And then you just had more links on this website, this Jehovah's Witnesses website, like Bible Questions Answered, you could click on. I've got questions for the Bible, from, for the Bible. Let me um, click on that. One said, peace and happiness, peace and happiness. One said, marriage and family. I can go there and look for marriage and family answers. Science in the Bible was one of them, history in the Bible. And then it had a bunch of, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not telling y'all to go here. So don't say, man, this sounds really good. Let me go to it. By the time we finish tonight, you'll be like, no, let's stay away from there. And you'll, you'll know why. Um, it had like video testimonies. Now, that, that, you know, that's where you click on it and you have this story of somebody going, this is where my life was. And it was, it was so bad. But then God changed me through the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, and just, but then they might not even say Jehovah's Witnesses or anything like that. They just might say, this is what God did in my life. Now, if you're somebody just looking for answers, this sounds very um, like appealing like that's man that sounds good I want to go there so that's what it looks like but what I want to just kind of mention real quick about that is as Jesus says in the Bible and even Alex said this last week is what Jesus says in the Bible in Matthew 7 beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inward inwardly are ravenous wolves you see what I'm saying? That's, that's what these different, what we're going to call cults, and we're going to explain why, why we believe that. Because the, these are 
people that were kind of like, hey, yeah, we're Christians. We believe in this God. And so we're going to teach you and we're going to show you the way through what we believe. And it looks all good. Now, to us in here, for most of us, we'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I, I know the differences. You may, you may not know the differences. But y'all, the world is going, I'm just looking for answers. And a lot of times they go to places like this. Um, it's interesting at the last part of that verse in Matthew 7, what it starts talking about is you will recognize these false prophets by their fruits, good or bad. So you see that you know, there's bad fruits. So this is what I want to do. You have your notes out there, and I want you to write at the top this verse. Specifically, I'm going to go to another verse here. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And I want to read this to you, and I want to share this with you because I want this to kind of be a, like, okay, why are we taking time on Wednesday nights to learn even cults? What, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Well, here's one reason. Listen to this verse. I'm going to read it and kind of walk through and explain it. Paul says this in the book of Ephesians. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So I read that and I say that to say, if you go back to those verses, verse 11, it talks about like what my job, what our job as pastors, it says shepherds and teachers, pastors of the church. God has gifted pastors and teachers. Some, some um, the giftedness has been greater given to some of the pastors here to teach than others. In other words, like I enjoy other pastors teaching other than myself. Okay. So maybe the gift is greater to Kyler or Clint, Pastor Clint, Alex, whoever, I don't know whoever's been up here, but we're gifted. This is what God's called us to do in the church. In other words, God has called us to equip the saints. Who are the saints? Believe it or not, you are the saints. Okay. You're like, I'm not a saint. I mean, did you know what I've done this past? No, you are the, if you're a believer in Christ, you are the saints in who he's referring to. But it's to equip you to, for the work of ministry. You do ministry for the ultimate uh, building up or edifying the body of Christ. Now, here's the interesting thing. And what, what we're doing is doing this to grow you up, to mature you. Y'all, in other words, we want to equip you we want you to be equipped. We want you to know the word of God. We want you to know what you believe. We want you to, to know. So what does it say in verse 14? It says this, so that you would no longer be children. In other words, children like just not knowing exactly what you believe. Tossed, uses this whole tossed to and fro by the waves. Um, the currents, just everything that's coming in our world today. We don't want you to be tossed. We don't want you to just go in every direction. We want you to know what direction you're going in and what you believe. And then it says, carried about by every wind of doctrine, the different winds that are blowing today. And that's what the, these religions are, not really religions, these cults are, is they're coming along and saying, hey, this is what you should believe. And if you don't know what you believe, you're kind of going, okay, well, maybe I can believe some of that. And maybe, maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. 
because maybe I grew up with this and it, or, you know, I've heard that growing up and I know some people that are involved in these different cults and hey, they're good people, so maybe that we're all, are we all going to heaven? It's okay, right? I mean, you might be questioning things like that, but it says we don't want you to do that. The, the whole thing of deceitful schemes. Well, I say all that because I think you're going to see tonight that there's a lot of deceitful schemes, even in what we look at tonight. So that's what we want to do before we start officially. Let's do this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, just thankful for your grace, your mercy. Uh, just thank you for salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, I pray tonight that uh, you will use this opportunity to teach us more, um, to be equipped, and to know a little bit more about this cult, but also to understand our faith even better. Be honored tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So question is this to start us off with. What comes to your mind first when you hear Jehovah's Witnesses? That's right. That's right. It's like, for me, it's kind of like the, uh, my wife and I just recently got the uh, a ring doorbell. So that's kind of cool because it's like somebody comes and knocks on the door. They ring this doorbell and I'm sitting here at church or wherever, even at home. And I go, oh, wait, my phone just popped up, <laughs> alerted. Let me see who's at my front door. So I open it up. I'm like, oh, boy. You know, sometimes it's somebody, it, you know, most time it's somebody dropping a package off Amazon or somebody, you know, doing that. Sometimes recently it's been like a cat. I don't know why this cat walks by the front door and it sets off the, my ring doorbell. Not that the cat rings the doorbell. I didn't say that, okay? Let's make sure you understand what I said. But the, like motion detector. But there's been times, there's been a couple of times since we've had it to where it's like they're knocking on the door, they ring the doorbell, and it's, it's a sweet-looking family, a few people. I mean, a couple of times it's been a family where they have children, and, and they're just waiting for somebody to come to the door. And I'm like, that's Jehovah's Witnesses, Okay. Something else you might have uh, noticed or comes to mind when you think about a Je Jehovah Witnesses uh, is the bus stop. Are people standing at either bus stops or at a park? They have the rack, you know, where they're just, again, they look like very nice people, fine people, which they probably are. Nothing wrong with that. But they're just waiting to talk to people. Um, I've seen them at a park before. So this was, a, this was a, a couple of months ago. Sometimes I like to go down to Freedom Park. Some of you have been around Charlotte, you know where Freedom Park is, love that place, remember going there as a child. So I'm sitting there going down there, my wife and I go down there and we, we run, she's like way in front of me and I'm sitting there running and I'm jogging, walking slowly, whatever. I'm sitting there going and I usually pull my hat down to run, I'm just kind of minding my own business, got some music playing and I look up and like right in the center of my path, guess what, they're right there. It's like they have their rack. I'm like, why are you sitting right in the... Why are you standing right there? And so most of the time I'm like, okay, I, I got to keep on going because I'm sweaty and smelly and stinky and whatever. But that's where, I, that's where I've seen them. You know, you see them at the parks. You see them there. Maybe you thought of this when you think about the uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the watchtower. Because if they come to your house, they've probably left that literature there. And you're like, what is this? Looks kind of cool. Looks kind of cool. So you see that and you think about it. Whatever comes to mind, whatever... You start thinking about when you hear that, the JWs, um, you, you've got to realize that at some point, if you haven't already, you're going to have an opportunity to talk to them. 
You're going to have an opportunity to talk, to listen to them. You're going to have, have an opportunity to share with them. It's probably going to happen, and it, and it probably should happen. You know, at some point you should say, hey, you know what? I'm going to have the opportunity. So I hope tonight can kind of help you understand a little bit more about what they believe in. And uh, I want to correctly um, portray them. I want to, I want to kind of, I, don't, I want to be fair. Um, and I want to be able to say, hey, this is, and this is just even with Kyler studying and what I'm studying, what I've studied, we want to portray the truth of what they're teaching. And y'all, the reality is this is what they say. But y'all, this is where we go back and say, once you see it, you, you got to go, man, that's, that's not Christianity. That's a cult. That's a cult. So last week, um, Alex, one of the things he went through was just a few marks of a cult. If you were here, um, you can look back in your notes, but just to mention a few of them. They usually claim to be Christian. So they're going to say, yeah, we're Christians. They usually, though, deny core doctrines. They usually take the Bible out of context, big time. I mean, to the point where they will even write their own translation or in, insert their own stuff. They usually claim to be led by divinely inspired leaders. So they're like, this person led us on this. Um, and they usually do add or subtract from the Bible. So that's kind of where we're going with this. So what is their story? What is the story of Jehovah's Witnesses? Well, here's where we're going tonight. You can see it in your notes, but just to give you an overview, we're going to look at their history. Like, where did this come from? It's always good to do to say, man, this is interesting. Where did this come from? Number two, the authority. Like, wh where do they get their authority from? Where do they, what do they read to, to take in this at the, the authority? Their theology, what do they teach? And then uh, just kind of at the end, just circling around and saying, what are the differences? What, wh why do we say they are a cult? So, first thing is this, history. You see in your notes, um, Jehovah's Witnesses' history. Where did it come from? The way we're going to kind of walk through this part is you're going to see four words at each section. The soil, the roots, the shoots, and the fruits. And that kind of goes back to, okay, where it's coming from. And then, you know, when we start, when Jesus talked about the bad fruit, the good fruit, well, let's see what that fruit, what was it, what is it producing here? And that's where we go back and look at. So the first thing is this, it's soil. So it began when Charles Taze Russell had a distaste for difficult doctrine and then his appeal for Adventism. So let's look at this. Who is Charles Taze Russell? Let's talk about him real quick. Well, by the way, this didn't happen 2,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago. This is like the last couple of hundred years, 19th century, mid-19th century. Charles Russell grew up in a religious home. It was in a Scottish-Irish Presbyterian home. So he had some background. He had some background. And listen, he attended both Presbyterian and Congregational churches. So he, he's being raised in church. And, and this church that he went to, what it says is he even was taught right doctrines. So it's not like he was going to a church that completely was like, oh, this is wrong stuff. You know, he was in a family. I mean, you, you think about this, the, the children that you have, the grandchildren you know of that are in church and being taught doctrine. You know, we always have that fear of, well, are they going to be taught the doctrine and then walk away from it? Are they going, how are they going to do that? Well, we teach them the doctrine. And, uh, but as a teenager, as he was being taught this doctrine, he started questioning several 
essential Christian doctrines. Just a couple of them was this. Number one, he started questioning the whole Trinity idea. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Didn't understand that. Just started questioning it. Number two, he started questioning the doctrine, what we would call the doctrine of hell. I mean, he's like, I, I can't accept this whole idea, this concept of an eternal damnation place called hell. It, it, he he kind of questioned like, why would God, y'all have heard this before, why would a loving God send people to hell? That was, he, he was wrestling and grappling with that, that whole idea. So with that wrestling and started, he started looking at that stuff, it's like he started backing away from his faith. This, this doctrine that he heard, he started questioning and backing away. He pretty much became a full-blown skeptic of, of this religion, what he was taught. But in 1870, he heard a preacher. This preacher's name was William Miller. William Miller. This William Miller was preaching this kind of this new idea, this fresh idea. And again, this was, this was in the, what did I say, 19th century in 1870. So he was preaching this and, and it caught a lot of these people, these young people of, of hey, here's, here's something new. Here's something you, you want to know about. And it was a new doctrine. Today we would call it Adventism, um, the whole idea of Advent. Um, Charles Russell basically became a follower, follower of this movement. And they say it's a movement. You say, wait a second, whoa, Advent. Okay, isn't that something we believe? Well, it is. I mean, it's, Advent is something that we would say uh, it, it means the coming. That's basically what the word Advent means is coming. Uh, many Christians, we, we observe that. We celebrate Advent in preparation for what? Christmas. And then we even say, hey, the second coming of Christ. So, so well, okay, that sounds good. Well, what's the difference here? Well, the difference is what this person taught and what um, Charles Russell started grabbing onto was this idea of, okay, he's coming back immediately. He can come back at any time. He's coming back, which is fine, whatever. That's good. But he would basically say um, that we're going to believe that and we're going to withdraw from society. In other words, we're going to kind of set ourselves aside because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to just continue with life. We're going to withdraw from society. And then here's the kicker right here. This is what they came up with. Hey, Christ is going to return sometime in 1844. Okay. I mean, that was the thing. It was like, hey, by the way, Christ is coming back in 1844. Like that year, he is coming back. So that's when it starts going, oh, wait a second. Because um, we believe that Christ is returning, right? As Christians, we believe he's coming back. Nothing, nothing's wrong with that. But he started separating a little bit more um, with some of the doctrine they taught. Well, guess what happened in 1844? What? Nothing. Did I hear somebody say 1845 happened after 1844? Um, I mean, that, nothing happened. Right? It did not happen. Nothing happened in 1844. Well, because of that, that it didn't happen in 1844, um, the uh, Pastor Russell, Charles Russell, who, again, was this teenager, began to start thinking about a new doctrine and a new movement. And we're going to talk about that. It's in your notes. It's roots. So what happened from there? So Russell started hearing these other um, preachers, talk about, again, the second coming of Christ. 
And it was something that he did seem, he was very interested in. And what he started hearing was that Christ did come back. It was the second coming did come back, but he came back spiritually, not physically. So again, the doctrine was just starting to get, oh, what's going on here? What are you saying? Uh, he, he's come back now, or he's coming back spiritually, but not physically. So what this caused Charles Russell to do was to step back and say, okay, I'm going to go back to the Bible, and I'm going to start um, studying it and having my own Bible study. And then what he started doing was going back and saying, okay, I'm going to have a Bible study, and I'm going to have some of my friends, my close friends, and we're going to start studying the Bible. We're going to figure this out. Which, hey, that sounds really good, right? It's like, okay, Bible study. Side note on that. Bible studies are great. We have them here at the church. We encourage you to do small groups to where you say, hey, let's go out and do a Bible study. But a bad Bible study is this. And this is what was happening here. Let's say we're sitting around here at the table. We read a passage of Scripture. Here's the Bible. Let's, let's study this Bible. Well, George, what, what do you think of that passage right there? What do you think it's saying? Well, I think it's saying this. Oh, really? That sounds good, man. I like that. Well, Connie, what do you think it says? Well, I think it says this. And okay, Connie, that sounds great too. I mean, man, that's wonderful. What, what you're saying is great. So you start looking at it and it becomes a, what the Bible, what you want it to say, basically, instead of what God truly says. In other words, it's a bunch of different opinions coming together, and everybody's kind of like, well, if that's what you think, that's fine. You know? So they all kind of said, this is what we think. And so what did uh, Charles Russell start doing? He started reading the Bible and studying it to, uh, to fit to him, to say, this is what I wanted to say. This is what I want to believe from it. And so that's where he came up with this new doctrine. It's what he wanted it to see. And so this was his new doctrine. He theorized that Jesus had come back and actually 1874 invisibly spiritually he said he's come back well why did jesus come back this is what he this is what his new doctrine started saying he came back in a spiritual form to do this to get the world ready for his reign his comeback okay now this is where it goes a little bit further he, he comes back and says but but here's when it's going to happen it's going to happen in october of 1914 now remember this is the time this is what he's doing Late 1800s. This is when, so, 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 so you see where I'm getting, what he's doing? He's saying, okay, Jesus has come back. He's come back in a spiritual form. But he's actually going to, he's kind of preparing the world. So he, he will truly come back, physical form, in 1914. Okay? So he's sitting there saying, this, you say, well, how did, where did that come from? Well, all I'll say is this. He went to the Bible. Again, he was studying the Bible. And he got to Daniel chapter 4. And he did some figuring out some stuff, looked at it, added some numbers, did all the stuff. And somehow he came back that Daniel 4 was talking about Christ is coming back October 1914. Again, it's his interpretation. It's his, this is when it's going to happen. This is what it's going to do. But what was happening, I mean, again, this time, people, people... And y'all, this happens even now. When you start talking about the second coming, when you start talking about the end times, when you start talking about stuff, people are like, yeah, I want to hear that. I'll, I'm interested in that. That, that. that gets me excited about what's, what's, what's going to happen here. We just have that interest. Well, that's what people were doing. They were excited about the second coming. They wanted to learn about it. They started connecting the dots. Like, I mean, that's what we do. We start saying, okay, this is happening here. This is happening here. This is happening here. So that means that Jesus Christ is coming back this time. 
you know, so that people start thinking that way. That's what they were doing. These people were getting excited about this. They liked the idea that Jesus was here spiritually. The following, the following of this idea, this new doctrine grew and just started growing, growing and growing. Well, from there, what Charles Russell, again, this original person we're talking about, he felt like he needed to write down everything that he was basically coming up with. I need to write all this down. This is a new doctrine. I need to write it down. So this new doctrine, he wanted to communicate all of his teachings. So what did he do? Well, he started his own publishing company in 1881 called the Zion's Watchtower Bible Tract Society. That was his way of saying, I'm, I, this is my way to tell you what's coming. It's, my, it's, it's from me, from God. That's what he's thinking. So that, that watchtower uh, ended up, by the time of his death, publishing as, million as, as many as 16 million copies of the books and pamphlets. 16 million. And he ended up dying just two years later, like in 1916. So when he started this to that point, 16 million copies of this being distributed. Everyone was reading it and following it. They were waiting for what? What were these people waiting for? 1914. It was like that was just their idea. Let's, okay, we're doing this. We're learning. We're waiting for 1914. What happened in 1914? Nothing. I mean, there's something that happened that year. I don't know history, but Jesus did not come back. Okay? Nothing happened. And Charles Russell actually died in 1916. So there you go. And it's done. There's no more Jehovah's Witnesses, so we're, we're done. Let's close. But that's, you know, the, so what happened? We know that's not what happened. So why did, why did we still have it today and what's still going on here? Well, here's what happened. All of those followers, I mean, again, if they had 16 million tracks out, um, you know, these pamphlets and stuff, and it was growing and stuff, they realized that, hey, this is a, this is a big business. I mean, this is a pretty big deal. This is a big deal. And, uh, you know, with those whole 16 million copies sold or given out, so there was a new guy in charge at that point, once Charles Russell passed away. And this is actually, we're going to move to actually point number three. And this is where I'm going to take a, a stop for a second. I need you to do, for some reason, point number three says, does it say the founding of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Okay, just take your pen and mark that out. I don't know why that's in there. My fault, maybe. And I want you to put this. It shoots, which it already says there, so we're moving to the, it shoots, Joseph Franklin Rutherford. Joseph Franklin Rutherford gave a new direction and new name. Joseph Franklin Rutherford, new direction, new name. That's the guy that was kind of like to succeed. He was the next in line, basically. And so he's like, all right, we got to do some stuff. So one of the things he did was he said, we're going to make, continue to make this publication happen. So we're going to move... Um, we're going to move our headquarters to some big city that was a really big city. It still is a big city that has a lot of influence. Anybody know what that is on the East Coast, up north? Big city, big city? New York. So they moved their publishing up there to New York. And then this is what Joseph Franklin Rutherford said. He said, we got to rebrand. I mean, that's basically what it was. We got to rebrand. And this is when they changed the name to actually, we are Jehovah's witnesses. That's who we are. Because here's the deal. They believed 
that it all around, revolved around, everything they believed revolved around the name Jehovah. They are witnesses for him and want to witness his second coming. So the other thing Rutherford started doing was some of the door-to-door training. But once Rutherford comes off the scene, there's a new guy. So we're kind of moving real quick now to uh, number, th- number four, it's fruits. There's a guy by the name of Nathan Knorr came about. And this is what he did. Two things. He came up with two critical things that really helped the Jehovah's Witnesses get going even more. Number one, door-to-door evangelism. I mean, he kind of took that idea that uh, Rutherford had of, of door-to-door, but he took it even further. Did major training on that. This is how, this is how you do this. I mean, that's where it all came about. This is what they do now. Door-to-door. They go door-to-door evangelism. But he also spearheaded the publication of a Bible, a new Bible translation. Now, y'all, you know, again, there's so many Bible translations out there. And this is where we got to be careful. This is why the church kind of recommends a specific uh, translation. Now, there's a few others that we'd say, hey, that's fine too. But this is where we got to be careful because, I mean, again, if you just say, again, go to Google or Amazon and say, hey, uh, translation of the Bible or new Bible. Hey, that one looks cool because it's got this leather on it, and you know it's it's really nice paper, as Pastor Glenn always says. It's made in wherever you know, and the paper's best paper ever, and the leather and whatever you know. But it's what's inside. It's what translation it really is. He came up with something called the New World Translation. New World Translation. So if you have the New World Translation, don't tell anybody that that you have it and get rid of it as soon as possible. Okay. <laughs> This was the Jehovah's Witnesses Bible. So let's go to the second part here. Where So that's kind of the history. You can kind of walk through that. I know that was a lot of information. That's where the bulk of our teaching was going to come from tonight, just kind of getting you an idea of where, where it's coming from. Um, but the second part is Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses Authority. What do they read? And that, and that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. The first thing is the New, new World Translation of the Bible. You say, well, what's up with this translation? Well, it's a biased translation of the Bible. It's tailor-made for the, for the JW theology. I mean, that's what it is. In other words, they went back and said, okay, we're going to kind of take lots of, lots of the Bible that, that we know. That's the crazy thing, y'all, is it's like it, it, you go to it and you can probably say, oh, yeah, this is, this is the Bible. But then they start adding stuff to it. No Greek or Hebrew translator would, would interpret it and look at it and go back to the original Greek of the Bible and say this is correct. They would just say, no, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. But they did it with their own bias. This is what they wanted. It's that whole idea of this is what we think this, this religion should be. And then the second thing was just the Watchtower and then another publication they call Awake. That's what these magazines, you know, when you see on the side of the, uh, when they're at the parks or bus stops or whatever, they have this rack of brochures. It's the Watchtower. It's something called the Wake, which comes from Awake magazine, which is like they're taking Romans 13 and bringing it in and teaching something on that. Um, but uh, so that's, that's where they kind of share their, a lot of their beliefs. Um, let's move on to Roman number three, or excuse me, number three, Jehovah Witnesses theology. So this kind of takes us in. Okay, so if this is what they're putting out there. They've got this world translation and they've got these brochures. So what, what do they teach? What exactly do they teach? Well, here's the first thing. They believe that Jehovah is God's one 
true and only name. The only name. I mean, that's their core conviction. That's why they go by the name of Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses. It's the only name of God. Now, we believe that there are many names of God in the Bible. I mean, just a couple of examples. Um, if you go to Genesis where it uses the word God, but it, if the translation goes back to Elohim, that's a name of God. We believe that. Um, God Almighty is El Shaddai. Uh, that's what that means when we, when we translate it into the original Hebrew. So, and there's many words like that. There's, a, there's another word in the Old Testament that you might be familiar with. And uh, you can write this down in your notes. These four letters. Y-H-W-H. That's the Hebrew language. You notice there's no vowels there. This is, that's just a part of the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. But that, there's a couple of different ways that people will say it. And, and you know, nothing's wrong with these two ways. This is what, kind of how we use it. But the first way is it uses that jah. Just sound. They kind of look at the Y and the H and they say, they interpret it, say Jah. And it's the word Jehovah. Jehovah. But then also, they can look at it and say, you can also say it's the Yah. The pronouncement is the, the first part of that. Y-H is Yah. And it's Yahweh. So you would see that. We would use both of those a lot of times in the Bible. Um, they both point back to Y-H-W-H. You may see in your Bible... Um, that word translated as Lord, but in all caps, L-O-R-D in all caps, that's what that means. That's Jehovah, that's Yahweh. So, you know, like I said, we as, what we believe as Christians is the, the Lord is called so many things in the Bible. The God is, our God is called so many different names. Jehovah Witness, the Jehovah's Witnesses translate every word of God in the Bible as Yahweh. They just say that's what it is. I mean, you might say, okay, well, what else is there? The Trinity, look at your notes. The Trinity, according to the JWs, the Trinity is a pagan lie invented by Satan. Pagan lie invented by Satan. They reject the Trinity. You've heard, I know that's probably one thing. If you've ever talked to a uh, Jehovah's Witness, that, that's what they would say is there's no Trinity and they'd come back to you. Um, they believe it's unbiblical. They believe the Trinity is a pagan lie. It comes from Satan. They view Jehovah as the only God. So the, what is that saying? Jesus is not God. Holy Spirit's not God. That's what they would say. Um, they would say, and we, and we know this, the Bible, the, the Bible never mentions the word Trinity. So don't try to figure out, okay, where is the word Trinity in the Bible? But we believe and we know that Trinity is discussed throughout the Bible in different forms and different scriptures and stuff where you see things like, I mean, just a quick example, Matthew 28, 19 where Jesus gives the great commission, what does he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they would say, no, it's not. The Trinity is not real. Second, the next thing is this. What do they think about Jesus? I mean, this is huge. They believe Jesus is a lesser God. Jesus is a lesser God. Created by Jehovah as Michael the archangel. So three things here they think about Jesus. Number one, they, they believe Jesus Christ, which we believe is the second person in the Trinity, was God's first, now listen to this, God's first and best creation. So God created Jesus. We don't believe that. Um, actually, in church history, in 400 AD, uh, Arius taught that Jesus was created, and that was considered 
heretical. I mean, that was in the early church looked at that in 400 um, AD and said, that's heretical. That, no, we don't believe that. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Um, second, they believe Jesus was created. <laughs> you saw this. Jesus was created as Michael the archangel in the Old Testament. So, okay, what happens to Jesus in the New Testament? Well, they believe Jesus was born. And when he was born, he stopped being an angel. But he was born a man, but he had no divinity. He grew up and died on the, listen to this, he died, they believe he died on a stake, not a cross. Just a, a, a simple stake. That's why Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the cross is like of the devil. Like it's pagan. It's a pagan symbol. That's what they believe. That's what they believe. Um, so no divinity. The cross is a pagan symbol. His death, they believe Jesus' death was, was a sacrifice, but not the sacrifice we kind of look at. Um, it's, it's more of a, hey, he, he, he died to help you get to know God, to get to God, to, to almost like it's still up to you, but this is what Jesus did. He did as, die as a sacrifice, but it's, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, they believe Jesus resurrected spiritually, not physically. Next, the Holy Spirit. This is what they believe about the Holy Spirit. It's an impersonal force. They reject the Holy Spirit and that it is not a distinct person like we believe. It's not a third person of the Trinity. It's more like this, a spirit that moves about. Kind of like maybe Star Wars, Star Wars or something like that. You know, the force be with you, whatever. Um, so... That's what they believe about that. Next thing is this. Human souls are humans. Humans are living souls without immaterial nature. Um, we believe that we're eternal souls. Our souls will live on. Um, no one will stop existing. We believe that, that they're going to go to either heaven or hell. Well, they, this is where their doctrine gets, again, it's kind of what you read it and you look at it and you're like, I, I don't even understand it even in studying it. What, what, is, what is going on here? They believe your soul stops at death. Like once you die physically, your soul stops. But at the same time, um, they believe this. If, you're, if you die and you're outside of Christ, um, you, you don't go to hell. You just stop existing. Okay? That's what they believe. But if you're in Christ, you go to a sleep. And this is where the whole idea, the next thing is that it says death ushers in soul sleep. We don't believe in a soul sleep. Uh, that's what they believe. Your soul goes to sleep. They call it soul sleeping. We reject this because what do we believe? We, we believe, we argue that when you are absent from your body, you are present with the Lord. It's a, I mean, this is so good. I mean, this is just where you go. I mean, I think about my mom passed away a year and a half ago. I think about my father, believers that, when I saw them breathe their last breath, they were with the Lord. They were with the Lord. That's what we believe. And that they're, you, kind of, you can kind of say they're, they're in heaven. It's, it's, we call it the um, intermediate stage. It's like they're in heaven, but not the heaven of Revelation 22. You know what I'm saying? So, but again, it's that whole idea of they're with the Lord. But that's not what they believe. They reject that. They reject that whole idea. They believe it's soul sleeping. Um, salvation can be earned thanks to, listen, this is interesting. Salvation can be earned thanks to Christ's free gift. Well, what does that mean? 
So this is a kind of a way to explain it. So they, they believe when Adam sinned, it just they believe like when Adam sinned, it, it knocked us all down. In other words, oh man, we, we're sinners. We're sinners. We're, just put it this way, we, we got knocked down. So when, when Jesus died, he, he, his sacrifice got us back up on our feet. Now, since we're back up on our feet, you know, we're kind of like, okay, we're back where Adam was. Now we can actually earn our way to heaven. It's like now it's our job. Even though, even though it's like, you know, you couldn't do it on the ground. You know, this, that's kind of the state we're in. But Christ, I, y'all, I mean, it's almost like, does that not make you kind of go, man, don't, don't talk about Jesus like that. That's not what, no, he didn't, he wasn't just my help. He's my savior. I mean, I just start thinking, I start getting kind of fired up. Y'all, it's like a lot of this is they're just mocking Jesus Christ. That, that just makes me kind of go, okay, okay, come on, let's go. <laughs> I wouldn't really do that to, to a Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness. But it gets me fired up because I'm like, who Jesus is to us? You know, this is who Jesus is. He was more than that. So, um, we, <laughs> again, the whole idea is, okay, now we're kind of self-sufficient. We're up. We can earn our way to heaven. We, they, they say, hey, now you can be obedient, be a good Jehovah's Witness uh, then you'll get to heaven. You got to work your way to heaven. Um, that's what they're saying. Se- this, another thing is this, the second coming. We kind of talked about this, but their second coming was an ind- invisible uh, spiritual event in 1914. It's kind of what they think, uh, that this coming spiritually happened in 1914. <laughs> but here's the deal. So they kind of started looking and saying, well, you know, the people that were there, we need to change a few things. So actually back in 1995, they kind of scrubbed that the whole idea that it happened in 1914, at least the spiritual part. And so today, what would they say? They would kind of say, well, it's kind of that generation maybe, just, you know. Again, it's, it's, you get to the point where you go like, what? what? What are you talking about? There's nothing concrete. And then you start talking about heaven. Heaven has two peoples, it says in your notes. The anointed class who rule above and number two, the other sheep who are ruled below. Ah. So you got the anointed class or the heavenly class. And they are populated by a certain amount of people. Does anybody want to guess the number that they would say this is the upper class or the heavenly class? 144,000 people. That's exactly right. That's referring to the special class of Christians who are Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a special people. And they believe today that really only about 4,000 of those are still living. The rest of the Christians go to the lower heaven, okay? <laughs> the lower heaven is the other sheep. Uh, I mean, it's like, hey, those people that are in the lower heaven are created to be ruled over. That's the whole thought. Um, the 144,000 will rule over the class of people. Hell, talking about real quick, what do they believe? Hell is not a place of eternal conscience suffering. I mean, it's like they just reject the whole idea of hell. So that's kind of the main stuff when it comes to what, what exactly do they believe? What's their theology? That is their theology and just where they come from. This is what they teach. Again, some of it's fuzzy because it's like this doctrine is not clear. And, and, and again, remember, this is just over the last 200 years. It's like, and, and you're going to see this. 
the other cults that we talk about, it's interesting that they all kind of came about the same time, roundabout. You know, we're not talking about cults that happened 1,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, cults that happened, you know, around the new church. There were some ideas, but these, these were born out of just the last couple of hundred years. And we also got to remember that as we kind of step back and look at this, that they do sound Christian in a way. Again, surface. They use the words that we would say, okay, that makes sense. I mean, even the word Jehovah, you think, man, I, I, I use that word to praise the Lord, Jehovah. Um, their Bible, again, is similar. So you got to be careful. You're like, okay, this is the Bible. This is what they read. There's a lot of stuff in there. Surely, I mean, you go to, and this is where it gets tricky. Uh, again, I think Alex mentioned this last week, but the whole John chapter one is a great example. They use John 1 through 4. They look at that, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And they go through that whole thing, and then they change one word. They, use, they say, a God versus is God. A God. It's just one little word, and they will use that. If you start talking about who Jesus is, they will use that and say, See, that's, that's, Jesus is not God because they change it to a God. So it's like, okay. So... We need to be aware of Jehovah's Witnesses. They are a cult. Um, and again, think about this. They're not another denomination. I don't think any of you guys believe that, but just know this is it's not another denomination. It's not like the Presbyterians. It's not like, okay, this is, this is, not, a form of, this is not another form of Christianity. Um, it, it's just, it's, an, it's a cult. So last, we'll walk through this real quick because we've covered a lot of this, but the differences. Why do we say it's a, it's a cult? Number one, it says in your notes, they deny who God really is. You know, again, we believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They deny who God really is. Second thing, they, did, they deny what God really said. They twist scriptures. They take the scriptures and they twist them to support their own position. They deny who we really are. They don't believe what the Bible says about who we are. They deny, and this is, the, this is, this is just where you really draw the difference they deny what we as humans need we really need again they believe jesus is more of a help and y'all this is this is kind of a scary thing if you grew up in catholicism catholicism is close to this it's almost like jesus is help but you still have to earn your way to heaven so that's where you got to be careful and say what you know what is that but that's that's what they 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 believe but we what do we believe we believe we are saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Man, that's so encouraging. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. I talked to somebody this past week, and we were comparing two different religions. And this person looked at me and said this. In my religion, when we pray, there's a lot of weeping. There's a lot of crying. There's no joy. But as I'm here at this church, and this was somebody that's been coming here, they said, I see people who have joy in their hearts. They're excited. And I looked at her and I said, can I tell you why that is? And it just kind of led the way to say, here's the gospel. We, we are thankful. We have joy in our heart because of Christ and what he's done. That there's nothing I can do. I can't earn my way to heaven. Yes, we cry out to God. Nothing's wrong with that. I cry out to God a lot. But we have that joy 
that we can say, this is, this is it. It's a gospel that we believe in. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of mercy. It's good news. And, uh, and this is where you kind of wrap it up and say, you know what, y'all, when you come encounter with, you come uh, encounter with Jehovah's Witnesses, let them see that, that you have the good news. Let, we we want to be kind. We want to be polite. You know, I've had conversations with JWs where, well, show me, and I'll just say, show, show me what your Bible says. That's great. And I'll listen. But then I'll say, well, this is what the Bible says also. And it's usually in their Bible. It's just they don't focus on that. But we do it out of love because we have experienced the grace and mercy of God and we want them to experience it as well. I end with this passage and then I'll pray and we'll be done. This was actually in my quiet time this morning. And I just kind of added this because I was like, man, this is, this is just, I don't know. This is what spoke to me. Psalm 86, 8 through 11. You can write that down on your notes. This is a praise to God. And then it's just kind of a prayer to God. It says this, David says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. And then the verse 11 is just a prayer. And I, I, I pray that even from this tonight and what we study each week, as we do always in foundations, that we'll have this mentality and this heart to God. Teach me your way, O Lord. Your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Y'all, what we've talked about tonight is a bunch of lies. Lord, help me to walk in your truth. And then this, unite my heart. In other words, I don't want a divided heart. I want a united heart to fear you, to fear your name. That's my prayer for me. God, help me to, I praise you. Teach me your way. And that's my prayer for you guys too. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, again, I, I close this time just again going back to your grace, your mercy that you show through sending your son, Jesus Christ, that we didn't deserve any of this. There's nothing we've done to earn this. If anything, Lord, we've, we've, we deserve death. We deserve hell because we're sinners. So I'm thankful that through Christ we have salvation. Lord, may we have opportunities to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses. And Lord, may you use us to give them the good news. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.